What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Chris Nambu. Thank you so much for listening and making Coast to Coast your first listen for NBA podcasts. Remember, if you're on YouTube, give us a follow. Give, let us out a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. You're on Spotify. Leave us that review and follow us. We'll keep producing that content. You make sure you like and subscribe. Today's episode, we are going to be talking a little bit about the San Antonio Spurs, a team that's kind of been forgotten about, but let's not forget, they drafted Victor Webanyama. It's all been kind of lost with all the, the, the big trade news that's been going down, but they've uh, they've added the they've committed to a first piece in the building around of uh, Victor Webanyama and Devin Vassell. So we're going to be getting into that in a bit on the Spurs as a whole as they go into their first season of uh of the of their bright future hopefully for them then we'll be like taking a look at the depth chart for the the three super teams that have been built in the sun celtics and books they've obviously had to give up pieces to uh acquire some greater stars we'll see what they're like in terms of depth and then uh, we'll finish off with a little top five list but before we get into it chris how you doing man dude i'm good i'm very excited to be <coughs> it was good until i'm choking on my coffee here i'm great i just made a uh pumpkin spice latte is my second of the day rolling through the day i'm once again stuck at home because of covid you just can't get rid of it so you got COVID. <laughs> my wife's got covid i'm pretty sure i got covid everybody's got covid man it's it's covid season again it's fall season pumpkin season so i'm, I'm just trying to find the positive so got my latte and me we're gonna talk some spurs i'm pretty happy about it so we'll we'll, we'll find some bright spots here as long as you're happy about it that's the, that's the most important thing you're, you're finding the positives that's a that's a that's a good attitude to have anyway here yeah, so let's get into the Spurs. Obviously, like I was saying, they they've kind of been forgotten about. They were the talk of the town for a little while in the NBA when they drafted uh, when they got that number one pick in the in the lottery. Drafted Victor Webanyama. They've they've committed to the first piece. They they gave Devin Vassell a five year, one hundred and forty six million dollar contract. What 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 are you thinking about that? It kind of came out of left field, but it, it feels like a smart move for them. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I'm excited that we have something to talk about with the Spurs. I, I was mentioning to you before we got on the air that I don't think we've done like a focused Spurs episode, like really ever, maybe. And this time we're not even going to be talking about Wemby, but somehow you've still managed to say Wemby like five times. Um, so you've, you've failed us there. But I mean, my first thought when you look at it, you know, without really thinking about the salary cap, without thinking about the context, you're like, Whoa, that that's a big contract. It's a big commitment, long year commitment. Um, that's a big number. But I think once we peel back the layers to who he is as a player and what the current market is and what really that means in terms of the new deals that are going on, because we have to remember like the TV deal, like the, the contracts that are going out right now are crazy. So relatively speaking, I think this would be pretty fair. So I don't know where you want to start with uh with Vassell, but I think we should talk about him as a player and you know, think about, um, you know, for pl- people who haven't maybe seen him, you know, how prolific he's become in his third year. This guy's just 23 years old out of Florida State. And if we remember him, you know, this is a guy that was just going to be kind of a three and D player, you know, as more of like a role player type of guy, you know, you the kind of guy you draft late in the lottery because, you know, he'll be a good NBA player, but you don't really expect too much. So let's look back at last season and see what he did. Yeah, I mean, obviously he had that was that was his kind of a breakout year. The 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 disappointing part was obviously that it was uh, it was cut short. Uh, only played in thirty eight games, but he started thirty two of them. Obviously, that was kind of the, a significant jump from previous years where he'd basically been coming off the bench. But he's the guy that's he's improved year on year when he's been in the league. Obviously, year one only five and a half points per game. Then year two goes up to twelve point three points per game. Then last year he's at eighteen point five. And his uh, three-point shooting has gone up with the percentage has risen with the more attempts that he's gotten, how comfortable he's gotten in the league. Last year was it was was looking like a really big year for him. It's obviously tough to to really gauge it because he only did it across 38 games. But the 18 and a half points, shooting 39% from three on uh, seven attempts per game, and just the overall growth in his in his game and and a bit more understanding. You even got a few examples of the handle that he's got, his ability mm-hmm. to create uh, in the mid range and th- and things like that. It, it was a it was an important year. It was just disappointing that it, it got cut short due, uh, due to injury. Yeah, and that's you know when we're looking at a player like him, that was definitely one of the main concerns. Uh, it was just like if the knee's a problem, but I, I think 
you know, given what kind of surgery he had, it was nothing major. It was kind of a cleanup type of thing. Um, and honestly, a perfect time to do it for the team to really get themselves ahead. <laughs> and that's why they're sitting here with Wemby. But I, I think you, when you mentioned the three-point shooting, that that seems to kind of like fall in line with what, you know, people expect from him. It's like, oh, okay, he's a 3 and D guy. He's a 3 and D guy. Look, look at that three-point shooting. He's 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, in shoes with a 6'10 wingspan, really mucks it up on defense, great switchable guy. Like, that. that's such a typical guy. But then when you, like, watch his games, I think the most surprising thing, because I'll be honest, I, I was not turning on a whole lot of Spurs last year. That's yeah. that I, I got to come clean. So I had plenty of homework to do to catch up on what he's been doing. And his offensive game is impressive. Like, you can tell there's still a little bit of rawness there. And, and I think from a production standpoint, the fact that he's still – polishing off his you know his dribble his dribble drive moves you know he's got this great in and out move he's really good honestly in the pick and roll the way he can snake the pick and roll the way he can get to his shooting hand and and fade to the right like his mid-range game is surprising if you look at his numbers uh first of all even in, in pick and roll actions uh, pick and pop actions he was shooting 50.6 percent off of picks 158 so that's a pretty big sample size. So he just, and he shot over 50% of those on pull-up mid-rangers. He's shooting 45%. And like that, that's not a number necessarily. Like that, that maybe if you if you just throw that number out there, that that's immediately amazing. But for reference, DeMar Rosen, 47% shoot. And then can't, I mean, did Kevin Durant, the, the king of mid-range, 56%. Mm-hmm. But Devin Booker shot around that same range obviously a little bit more. So I, I think that uh, looking at him as a 3D player is selling him so short of the kind of player he can become because he's shown a lot of ability to create in the mid-range. He's shown a lot of ability to shoot from, from three and not just like wide open, just catch and shoot, sit in a corner. Like he's able to be a movement shooter, come off of uh, come off a lot of different actions. And I think that, you know, when you look at this number, like around – I think the, the highest number is going to be is 29 million this year. And it kind of descends every year as it goes with some incentives. Like if he hits free agency next year as a 23 year old going on 24 year old, 20 point per game score, two level, maybe three level. One thing he needs to grow on is, is uh, scoring inside, but um, creating defensive, like how many guys are you looking at that has elite defensive upside at 24 years old can shoot off the dribble can play make and shoot threes. That list is not very long. And I think when you think about it that way and his age, I think this deal makes a lot of sense. So that's my long-winded way of saying, you know, I think I was a little bit shocked, but now I totally get it. It's it's this may be even a bargain deal depending on how much he develops from here. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Obviously, you look at it and you say on the one hand you're like, "Oh, this could really turn out to be a genius move from the Spurs and and they could really get a lot out of this guy over the next over the next five years. And then the other hand, you're kind of like, Oh, the, the injuries may be a little bit of a worry. Uh, will his game really develop? Will he be the a great piece alongside Webb and Yam? And I think in terms of what he d- offers, I think he should be a, a, a great starting point for, for playing with, uh, for, for, for playing Webb and Yama, the way he, the way he can hit from deep, the way he can create his own shot inside. And I think actually it was funny because last year he actually ended up being a negative defender when originally obviously coming into the league as Colin Carr was like a, a three-point shooter, a good defender. But because I think he was kind of, he knew that everyone within the Spurs organization knew they wanted to tank. They wanted to get Webb and Yama. So I think he kind of used that as a chance to really show what he could do as an offensive player. And it worked. Obviously it was only over 38 games, but it worked for for him because he's, he's after getting a, getting paid a nice bag. And I don't think that that defensive deficiencies will continue. I think he'll become a much better defender now that they're going to get a system in place. You'd think the system is going to be built around probably Webb and Yama and, uh, and Sochan as the, as the two main defensive pieces. And then a guy like, like Vassell can have a big impact there. And I think you're thinking about him and, and Keldon Johnson, like Keldon Johnson averaged 22 points per game last year. They're going to be like the, the two guys, looking to add that that major scoring punch outside of Webb and Yama then. And I think if they've got them both on pretty friendly deals right now, it's just smart business from the the Spurs. And if it actually comes off and and 
especially Vassell, if he's a guy that really develops into an efficient 20-point-per-game scorer that can also be a plus on the defensive end, that's a, that's an unbelievable deal to get over the, ne- over the next five years. Yeah, I I love bringing up Wemby in this situation for, for Vassell and for Johnson, for that matter, because I think the questions we do have a little bit are defensively, like you said, um, which is, yeah, it is ironic because you think of, okay, a 3D player. And I think um, on the perimeter... I mean, he's a he's a fantastic uh, defender. I think off ball, he's a little bit better because he really takes a lot of gambles, getting in passing lanes. He's got really long arms, and he he really stays low to the floor. So he's he's always in position to strip balls from post. He's always in position to um, you know attack the passing lanes. And both him and Sohan, I, I think they really they really create a lot of opportunities. And it surprised me, um, you know, when you look at those guys like that, it, it makes more sense why they have so much pace, but they were first in pace last year. A Spurs organization being first in pace, that that can't have happened ever <laughs> in, in Pop's time with, with the Spurs. I can't imagine that. But I think that they're going to have a lot easier time, you know, with some of their defensive uh, deficiencies when you have uh, Wemby back there. Um, when you have, I mean, Zach Collins, who knows if he – it's going to stick here, but he, he had a nice little stint at the end of last, last season, um, just looking at his numbers and, and looking at how, you know, the team's viewing him. Um, and I think you have Sohan there too. So what, what needs to happen though, I think for both him and Calvin Johnson, um, just kind of lumping them together is that, that mentality that the losing, not that they had a losing mentality, but you get away with, you know, being a negative defender because everyone's a negative defender. Like, you know, the, the whole, they were 30th defensive rating as a team, mm-hmm. the worst team in the league on defense. So how much better can they get um, with, with the young guys got another year of experience with Webb and Yama back there, who should be a top three shot blocker in the league with Sohan, who they, they want him to be kind of almost like a, a, a Ben Simmons esque kind of defender on the wing against point guard sign whoever um, can everyone else catch up? Because that that's going to be, I, I think, when when we're talking about the Spurs today, we're talking about um, guys like Vassell. That that's an interesting point to me because not every facet of a team and a player is going to get better in just one year. But if defensively that can turn around, that would give me a little bit more faith in some of the lofty expectations of a team with Wemby. Because I think some people are, are have pretty big hopes for you know, th- this rookie campaign, but I- I'm I'm not sure it'll go much further if, if the defense doesn't turn around as a team. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's fair. I think obviously you have to have the expectations and we're all right to have those expectations, the, the potential that Webinyama has, but you also look at it and you say, it, it could argue, you could make the argument that next season is more important to see the all-round growth from a guy like Soshan, uh, the the defensive development from Keldon Johnson and from Vassell and Vassell to to stay healthy and and get up to being that efficient twenty point per game scorer. If all that comes together and Wemby just has a a pretty normal rookie year, like he's averaging like eighteen and ten maybe and, and like a block and a half or something something like that, like that that I think would almost give you a, a little bit more belief. Obviously, you want to have yeah. Wemby Yama having the greatest rookie year of all time, but I think that side of it. I think from a Spurs organization point of view, maybe not from a fan base point of view, but from the organization point of view, if you get that, I think it's almost a, a bigger plus than just seeing Webb and Yama instantly take off and get them like close to the play-in or something. Yeah. I think ultimately um, finishing out of a cell, what, what he, what he should be able to do for this team next year is to be that main guy, not, not Webb and Yama. Mm-hmm. I think Trey, Trey Jones, maybe we'll talk about him a little bit. Like, He's a, he's a great um, floor general. is a great table setter, but not really a great scorer. And if Vassell continues to become a good facilitator, if he if he if he has all star potential, he can do it alongside Webinyama. And if he's a guy that you put the ball in his hands, he he has the look of the type of player that you can do that with. Because when you have a guy who can score off the dribble like that, I mean, you see with guys like Devin Booker, you see with guys like Demar Derozan, when you're able to create out of screening actions you're able to create off a of pick and roll you're able to create on your own off the dribble like that opens things up for other teammates and i think he has really great passing potential so 
I don't think this is necessarily, you know, from the Spurs organization's point of view. So I think they're going to taking it really slow with Webby, which is a smart thing to do. I, th- I think this is the year for Vassell Pop, and that would look really nice for this organization to be giving him that big, big contract and for him to, to really come up big. Um, and that's kind of in contrast with the, the guy who had another breakout year, which is Johnson, who kind of delivered after he got that extension. Where do you think Keldon Johnson's place is on this team now? Um, with, you know, we just talked about Vassell and you know, Sohan, what, he's probably going to be favored to be on the court at the same time as uh, Wemby to kind of support him uh, defensively. So wh- where where do you think he ends up in this lineup? Yeah, it's kind of, it's tough to make a call on those two. Like, is it, can you definitely say for sure that both both Vassell and, and Johnson can can thrive playing this team together with, with Wemby there as well? It's a tough call to make. It's kind of one you're going to have to wait and see on a little bit. Obviously, they've both got different talents. I think Vassell, could, you can make the argument that he's got more potential as a as a three-level scorer, I think, than than maybe Keldon Johnson. And maybe the implementing Webinyama and maybe the pace dropping a little bit, I think that might hurt Johnson a little bit more than, than it will Vassell. But I think if he's got the talent that I think the Spurs believe he's got, he'll be able to adapt his game and still be a, a pretty prolific scorer on this team because it's not like Vassell's instantly going to take off and just be that that lead scorer for this team. Like Kelvin Johnson will still have a big part to play in this Spurs offense. Whether that's playing a bit more with the bench unit, I think that, yeah. that maybe remain, remains to be seen. But I think the, it, it's probably a bit more likely you see him play a, a bit more uh, consistently with the bench and being the lead guy there. But I think he could also be a starter and can still contribute in the, in this lineup. Yeah, I, I think he's he's got the best shot to keep his numbers up if he's playing a little bit more with the with the bench unit. I think one thing that he he has the greatest skill out of anybody on this team is putting pressure on the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that Devin Vassell hasn't really been able to do. Um, and you look up and down the lineup and no one's really going to be putting the pressure on the rim like like he can and you know we'll we'll see we'll see at an nba level uh, how webinyama is going to put pressure on the rim by himself but it, it seems like a lot of his offense is going to come a little bit more from the mid-range and from from three not not just like getting inside so i i would wonder you know how, how much his shooting is going to hold back this team though yeah because Trey Jones and Keldon Johnson on the floor at the same time is going to be tough. That 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 combination is a little tough in terms of keeping, you, you know, the the kind of passing that the Spurs want to do. You know, moving the ball around the that that only works if if teams have to rotate to that guy. No one no one's stressing getting out to Trey Jones. No one's stressing getting out to to Keldon Johnson. Vassell and Wemby maybe. I think Wemby just as a name, like everyone knows who he is. Like people are going to close out on, on Wemby, and plus he's so tall, like you have to get there early. But um, even he, his shooting is pretty raw. Like people just see highlights of him shooting and don't realize that he's probably going to shoot like thirty three percent from three this year. Mm-hmm. At best, maybe he's like thirty five percent. He's not going to be an elite three point shooter this year. Um, so that that's that's one thing that I think will will hold Johnson back is just getting getting a guy like um and maybe Branham at the two who's another young guy so just just looking up and down at we we're naming so many young players who have who have to take a step forward and are not there yet in reality where they need to be for them to be competitive like just with all these variables in place like how how good do we think this team can be it's an early early question to ask before you've even like looked at the whole final death chart but it it doesn't feel like a given at all no i think there's a very good chance these this is this spurs team is is one of the bottom two teams in the in the western conference this year i don't think it's crazy to think that, that might happen i know it's kind of hard to hear and it seems crazy because we're going so mad about this this guy web yama that they're after drafting but this is still a very young raw team web yama is still coming over here from europe there's still going to be a lot of growing pains within this spurs team I think at best, if Webinyama goes and has a, a historic rookie year, you get that growth out of a cell, you, you don't see as much problems on the defensive end, then maybe you could make the argument that they could make a push towards the play-in. But I think it's more likely that they're, they're a bottom two seed in the West than they make the play-in. I'd, I'd say that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, 
before before we like maybe play them where they're at i, I am still excited to, to just like think about these guys because i mean a guy like um branham malachi branham um wasn't a, a huge household name in the draft uh i want to say he was drafted in the early 20s but he's a guy that definitely fits this roster with, with his his versatility his passing shooting like guys like that i mean what we saw from champagne and uh the summer league i know it's just summer league but just what he showed continuing from last season, just being a two-way player and being able to shoot the lights out. So uh, there, there's guys on this team that I think fit at least. I think at the very least that this team has enough players to complement women Yama in a way that it'll be, it'll be like a competitive and functional year. And maybe at its very best, like what's, what's their best case scenario? Like what, what's, what's the story look like? Who, who's, who's the heroes at the end of the day? If, if they are, the 10th seed. Cause yeah, I mean, being that, ten, like that's, that would be, that means they're better than the, they need to be better than the Rockets. Sure. I, I, maybe. Yeah. Better than Trailblazers. Absolutely. I, I could see that for sure. Better than jazz. Maybe better than the Mavs. <laughs> that would be pretty sad. Better than the thunder. That would be pretty insane. Better than the Pelicans. So something crazy has got to go right. Who's who is popping on this team? Like what, what went right? If they are, if they're making the, the plan. Webinyama has had one of the probably the, the maybe the best the best rookie year since <laughs> Michael Jordan I would have to say <laughs> I think that's if they're getting at that level and they're ahead of some of those teams like you just mentioned I think Webinyama has had the best rookie year since MJ the sales really popped off uh, maybe Johnson's shot has held up a little bit more and Sochan's taken that that step on the defensive end I think that will all have to happen in order for for them to be the ten seed in in the Western Conference. And and improving Western Conference as well. The Western Conference are always getting better on top of uh, on top of just the fact that this is this is a young raw team. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hit on all of those. But I think that that's a tough part for teams like this. It's when when you have to ask that that many questions for that many young guys. It's just obvious, like you know, we're they're not there yet. The hype is absolutely there, and I think it'll be an exciting year to to grow. Um, but are, are there any players on this team that maybe you're excited to, anyone that we haven't mentioned, excited to see if they stick here or maybe if they're going to be a contributor in a way that you didn't expect? Yeah, I think, obviously, uh, Trey Jones is the kind of the interesting mm-hmm. one. Like, yeah. he, he, he showed nice growth last year. Obviously, he got up to 12, 12.3 points per game and, and 6.6 assists, but that weakness from uh, shooting the three is going to be a problem. I think he's going to really have to boost up the... Uh, the assist numbers to really show that he's worth kind of betting on and keeping around with this team was I think they'd be looking at that position, the point guard position as a, a position they need to target moving forward and look for someone that I think can, can provide a, at least the same level of playmaking he can, but also be an efficient three point shooter. Cause I think those are two really important qualities in a, in a modern day point guard in the NBA and something that they kind of desperately, I wouldn't say desperately need, but definitely something they have to be looking at because on the whole, uh, shooting the three, this team uh, is, isn't very good. And in terms of what they've got at the moment, the potential doesn't look amazing for that to really improve in, in any sort of drastic way. Yeah. I mean, Trey Jones is a last of a dying breed of like a pure point guard, uh, much like his brother, yeah. Tyus Jones. And and it's it's kind of a lazy comparison, obviously, but he, along with his brother, one of the best point guards in the league when it comes to assist to turnover ratio, six to one, like <laughs> that, that's an insane assist to turnover ratio, especially for a young guy, especially in a system that is often so messy um, with, with, with all of them being inexperienced really. Um, I, I, I was thinking about him as well because I'm, I'm really excited to see guys like Wemby Guys like Kelvin Johnson, guys like Vassell, guys like Sohan, they, they need a true playmaker. And he is, I mean, if you look around the league, who, who's the true playmaker that's that's going to be unselfish and not really, you know, take away from other guys? Because these guys need to, like we talked about, they need to grow. They need to be fed the ball. And you got him on your team. Like you got a, you got a Tyus Jones 2.0 on your team. And and Trey just literally just needs to hit the three in order for that to, to come along. And you, you'd have to imagine that, that that is probably the main thing he's working on over the off season because the the playmaking is there. I mean, he's uh, one of the better um, finishers as a, as using a floater 
using the runner. So, I mean, size isn't a massive issue for him because he's been creative at, at scoring at the rim. I mean, defensively too, he's, he's a really tenacious, even though he's a little bit on the smaller side, he's a tenacious defender. Like he's just checks off all the boxes for the kind of guy that you want alongside a star power forward center. Um, so he, he, hopefully he sticks around. Um, yeah. Who, who do you think could be the first all-star out of this group? Wemby's the, the easy answer. But yeah, I, I it's it, it probably is Wemby, but I I think I think you gotta really look at Vassell and if you, and if if what they've invested in and what they it, it appears could come from him as a he could get to that level of being a 20 point per game score. And we saw a little, a little bit boost in, in terms of his assist game. Obviously, that's never really been part of his game, but if he can bump that up a little bit more and become a guy that can deliver like four or four and a half assists a game on I, outside of the scoring because that's an important part to add to his game obviously when he has more talent around him it's not always going to be about him getting his shot and he can add that bit more playmaking too than the the the, the need for a legit point guard might uh might cease and you'll and you'll see more from from jones then so i think that side of it i think if he really comes true he i think he's he's the the likely one uh ahead of like the likes of kelvin johnson and i don't think Soshan's not really Maybe if he really gets going as a defender, but I don't think he, he's ever that kind of mold of a of a legit all star, you know. Yeah, I I think that Sohan will be, I th- I think he could be a defensive player of the year, top three voting type of guy within the next two three years. Maybe not this year, but he just just looking at the tape on, on the kind of things he does, um, it's like it's freakish. And if if no if no one's watched it, it's it's like the way he. The way he can defend small guys and, you know, sometimes he he does get beat off the dribble, just like being a little bit out of position, but the way he can recover and time his jumps. I, I think that's one, one thing too, just, just talking a little things about some of these guys that, um, so again, this is our first, first time really going through, through, through some, uh, the tape on these guys and it's fun to do, but the way he jumps, man, he is able to time his jumps perfectly against big guys, against smaller players. And they're always unexpected. It's a lot of the blocks he gets, he's not really in a, in a super great position. And it's like, he lost track of the guy. There's even a play on, on Julius Randall where it's a one-on-one in the break and Randall just completely overpowered. Like you, you know, once Randall like hits you in the chest on that Euro, like you're, you're gone. You thought he was going to be out of the play. He gets bumped and like twists and is right there where Randall's going to step. It's like, it's that IQ that he had that as he's getting bumped out of the way, he just pivots and he's right at the apex of Julius Randall's jump. And that's just, that's just sheer talent. And when you see plays like that, like sheer defensive talent, it's like at that age, at his level of inexperience, like it, he's only going to get better from there. Um, so look, 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 how quickly, look how quickly Evan Mobley's kind of made that leap up to being a top yeah. level defender. Like Soshan could definitely do it just as quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think bottom line, like the, these guys have a lot more talent than I think they had been given credit for. And the talk has been mostly just on Webb and Yama and how, how good is he going to be in the NBA? And I think more is to be talked about how, how much untapped potential there is on this team, because they just had so many, you know, just so many young guys trying to figure things out all at once under, under Popovich. And I don't think there's a ton of situations that we've seen recently where teams like that have stick together. And I think we kind of alluded to that when we talked about the Rockets, like, you know, you have so much talent, how can it figure, figure itself out and who better to lead the program like that? I think the, one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not mm-hmm. the greatest. So Greg Popovich has, you know, been silently working this team towards a moment like this when they have what could be one of the best players in the NBA in the very near future. And I think that, you know, they're not necessarily at like square one, like you usually have when you're drafting a number one guy, yeah. you know, a lot of teams, it's like, all right, now we got to build towards that. I, I think they, they're a lot closer to having a real team around Wemby than I originally thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And just the final point, obviously we introduced this, this uh, segment talking about the, the sale contract and just to put it into the context this despite this contract, they're still able to offer a max contract next summer if they are, choose to be aggressive in, in that sort of way. 
And I think also when he gets to either year four or year five, his contract will only account for like 15.6% of the cap, which is just yeah, kind of crazy. Nothing. Like this is like, this is such a, this is a, a smart move from them. And if he delivers on it, it's not going to hold them back in any way. And even like, obviously it will hurt if they, he doesn't really deliver to the extent that they want him to, but it's, it's a very team friendly deal. They've got him on and it's a nice extension for a guy that really could pop, uh, could pop this year. Yeah. I'm excited. We flip it over to the to the other end of the NBA, the the the, the top side, the the super teams, the Boston Celtics, the Phoenix Suns, and the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, let's let's start. We want to start with the Celtics. We we weren't able to we were able to kind of think about where we wanted Drew Holiday to go, but here he is. He's in Boston, and I'm I'm a little bit shocked with it now. Now that I've had a few days to process, you know what what it meant. Um, and I want to hear what your what your thoughts are, like where. Did they truly get on a whole thinking about balance and just not even position, but like the balance from this team and how good they want to be to compete for a championship. Did this push the needle, move the needle, push the needle, the needle, the needle, the needle, the needle, the needle edge edged a little bit. Yeah. I think they kind of came around full circle and, obviously they had to give up important pieces when you think of Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon as important role players for them. But after giving up Marcus Smart, they arguably went and got uh, an upgrade on Marcus Smart to finish out the roster after giving him up earlier in the summer to get Chris Porzingis in. So that's, that's an interesting side, but I think, an important thing that I saw with uh, with Holiday actually, he shot I think forty five percent on catch and shoot threes last year, which is uh, obviously uh, an important mark, and that's something I didn't really know. I de- I definitely didn't notice. Obviously, he always is someone that you think of struggling with his uh, with his shot, and I think the the defense and the playmate that he provides that's that's huge for this Boston team. And and you look at them again now, and you really think that in terms of a team defense, they're in position to have a really elite team defense. Yeah, I defensively speaking, I, I think that they I think that they stay the same, but they risk getting worse. That's my concern. I, I think Drew Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart, take your pick. I mean that those are name 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 better point of attack defensive guards, except not named Alex Caruso. That you're you're gonna be have a tough time finding him. Uh that those are pretty even matchups when you're considering, hey, who do we want to defend? A guy like, I don't know, Damian Lillard? There you go. But giving up Robert Williams worries me a bit. Mm-hmm. And that's the only point of it. You know, I I think on the whole, like just we can get past the point where they they did get they did get a guy like Drew Holiday, even though I I, I won't bring up the fact that that he was eleventh in I want to say he was 11th in turnover percentage for, for guys who took as many shots as he did. And if you if you take a listen to fantasy owners of <laughs> Drew Holiday, they'll they'll tell you how much he turns the ball over. And Marcus Smart actually turned the ball over less of the time. So turnover percentage by itself is an interesting metric of like who is a more responsible ball carrier. I, I don't know. You you would you think by reputation and by assist numbers that Drew Holiday would be, but it seems like that wasn't super different there. So I, I I'm I'm pressed to immediately say that you solved the issue of turnovers that you got from Marcus Smart, but I will say that the catch and shoot is more important. So him being a better shooter. But where I was going with this is more the front court. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with Giannis. You're dealing with Embiid. I mean, that that's the, that's the main competition you're thinking about when you're getting to the finals. Just don't forget that, you know, 76ers were right there. Who knows? I mean, James Harden just practiced with uh, Embiid. Did they make up? Is he just going to give it up? I don't know. But they were right there. They, they were real close to being the ones in the finals, not Celtics. And Robert Williams being healthy is always a question mark for sure after these surgeries he's had. But so is Al Horford and being a little bit older. Was he now 37 going on 38? Mm-hmm. And Chris Porzingis, I'm really happy he had a healthy year last year. But, you know, you, you can't deny the fact that he is a walking, you know, he's, he's he's just at risk to be injured at any point in time. So putting your faith in two guys like that 
is a little tough. Putting your your faith in three of them, that's great. Like, you know, one of them is probably going to be injured. You at least you have the other two. And you have a really good chance at at stopping a guy like Giannis, stopping a guy like um like Embiid. So I don't know that I how bad does this season go if one of them gets injured or if they're not fully hundred percent, their their front court's not fully ready um in the playoffs health wise. That that's my only concern because with the Celtics, I mean you're gonna be contenders either way. Yeah, I mean in fantasy you can kind of look at all these teams uh Sun Celtics and books and say there's there's that that question of, of health there kind of roams around all of them. Maybe the Celtics are the most obvious one. When you think of Porzingis is just like that's kind of his whole mantra as of, of being this guy who's always injured. But Giannis has, has had a few injury troubles. Obviously had them last year in the playoffs in the first round. Dame has had those sort of troubles. Um, yeah. Lopez has had his injury worries. Then you look at Durant, yeah. obviously Beal as well. So I mean, like that. Obviously, you say health is a, is is always a it's always a switch that could happen at any time. But I think all three of these teams, you can definitely make the argument that. They've all got. They're all kind of banking on on something that hasn't really been over the last few years, and that's that all these guys are able to to stay healthy for a regular season and then a, and then a playoff run. So that side of it, you kind of don't worry too much. But I think at the same time, I do take your point that I'd say the Celtics are probably the most likely team to kind of uh, suffer from that trouble. But I think outside of them, when you think of of Brown and Tatum, they're two steady guys that you believe are going to be on the court. Yeah. Holidays, the same the same yeah. thing. Absolutely. So I think that's a that's a really important point for them that arguably their best players are still are still going to be on the floor for them. So they'll they'll it shouldn't derail them too much. But obviously, when you get to the playoffs, that's the that's the big key. Like Porzingis, Horford, and uh, they they've got to be at a hundred percent, or else that they're not going to be able to stop the to stop Giannis and the books. Yeah, that and that that's a good point. And that and that kind of brings up like if I'm arguing with that point in my head, you know, Holiday is going to play way more games than Malcolm Brogdon is over a one, two year span. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be way more, same thing with, with Rob Williams. So even though you're switching position there, like he's going to be healthier than both of them. Um, I would predict. Um, but yeah, that, that's just a tiny, a, a small little, little risk. Cause I, I liked, I liked the idea of that three, three big man um, depth there. For the Celtics, and I like the idea of that going up against Giannis, and I, I had faith in Derek White and Jalen Brown being able to to put up enough defense, and you know Malcolm Brogdon is serviceable there too. But I mean, certainly, when you get Drew Holiday, you got back the that level of of defender that you had with with uh, Marcus Smart, and then pairing that with with Derek White. I mean that that's going to be that's going to be really tough for Dame. Dame Dame's not going to have an easy time, you know, scoring against that. So they have a chance, you know, if they're going against the Bucks, there there is that one-on-one defender that you can put on Dame that you you'd be you'd be pretty happy with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then, like in terms of the teams as a whole, like I, I obviously I, I wrote a piece on this the other day, giving my thoughts, and I think the books have have got the best starting five out of the three teams. I think look at the books mm-hmm. we've got Lillard, Connaughton. Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. Obviously, then the Celtics got Holiday, Brown, Tatum, KP, Horford, and then the Suns got Booker. Maybe it's tough to know. Maybe Grayson Allen, Bradley Beal, Durant, Nurkic. I think you're looking at that as in terms of the starting five. When likely that that's their best team. You think the Bucks have definitely got a got a, a step up there, and even just in terms of what the way that their two superstars uh, complement each other. You think they, they excel where the other one kind of struggles a bit. So you'd say they're probably, well, I, I say the books, would you, would you agree that the books got the best? I, I, I would. And I think it's what we, we talked about last week is, is the balance. I, I think the way that their skills synergize each other, make a little bit more sense than what you see with the Suns. Um, I, I would, I would also, I would also say the same thing about the Celtics though. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think the Celtics, especially with their three point shooting. I mean, that that's now with Chris Dabbs, like that, that is one thing too, that um, Bucks Celtics in the Eastern conference finals, that that's going to be, I expect that that's going to be one of the best series that we've seen in a while. Just the, the amount of three point shooting the Celtics can have and the, the dynamics between Lillard and, and Giannis and Chris Middleton, just having the the pressure off of him a bit to, to get back to his form 
being a playmaker as well. And maybe he gets a little bit more time in the second unit. I, I just think that there's more balance in terms of what, what each of these players bring, bring to the table compared to, to Phoenix. But then I'm not going to deny that the sheer firepower that Phoenix brings when it comes to their, their shot creators, like mm-hmm. that, that's something that none of these teams can boast except for maybe, maybe the Celtics. I, I mean, it's tough. I, I, I want to say, I want to say the Bucks just because of Dame and Giannis, but I think the Celtics are, are, or half, a half close. step behind. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely close. And, and you think like then you look at the sun, you're like you can make the argument that they have three of the top what like maybe twelve scorers in the league on their team. You, you could make that argument. I know Beal's kind of been a bit of an afterthought over the last couple of years, but he before that he was a thirty point per game scorer. And you think of Durant then and Booker as well. You know they're definitely around that mark. And then in terms of depth as a whole, then you look at the teams and you're thinking the Suns are kind of a bit a bit way out there in terms of the depth that they have compared to both the Celtics and the Bucks. Obviously, not not most of them don't really have any big depth. Obviously, you got Ball Ball, and then you're kind of like Eubanks, and then a couple of a couple of other nobodies for the Suns, and then the Celtics have got they brought in Wayne and Gable. They got they got Cornet. I guess you 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 show Stevens into that category maybe, and then the Bucks have got Robin Lopez and Bobby Portis. Obviously, Bobby Portis is a legit six yeah. man of the year. Yeah. I was but gonna say, it, do do not disrespect Bobby Portis nah, for a nah, second. Nah, <laughs> nah, I, wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna do that. But then in terms of like the wings and guards, the the Suns really got a lot a lot more options than than definitely than the Celtics. The 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 books have got uh, they've made some nice additions in terms of like Beasley and I think Campaign was a nice nice pickup from them. They got still got Jay Crowder. Uh, Bochamp is a guy that that Damian Lillard's been talking about over the last few days, saying that he's impressed him. Maybe he can have uh, play a bit more of a role. But then the 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 Celtics only got White, Pritchard, and and Hauser. And like, can Pritchard really get back to that that sort of level that he showed? Probably not. White's obviously a, a really solid player. You know we're gonna get from him. But then the Suns got Gordon, they got Johnson, they got Little, Kogi, Watanabe. There's just that 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 more options there, and even just for freshness and health wise going through the regular season, I think that 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 could stand uh, the Suns in 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 a, in a good stead going into the going into the playoffs with the with just more options there. Yeah, I mean, comparing all of them, I, the, the Sun. We talked about the Suns and their depth, and I, I think what what the Suns have is a ton of options, and you're not sure which ones are going to stick. You know, is it going to be your Nasir Little, Kata Bates, Diop? Um, I, I really don't think Bobo is going to. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Well, they but, kind of need him to in terms of like, yeah. Nurkic is is a cripple again. You know. Yeah, I mean, sure. Thing. I, I think Eric Gordon's a sure thing. I think Grayson Allen's a sure thing. You know exactly what you're going to get from them, and they they are going to be consistent. You're not too worried about it. And I, I think also Yuta, and I think Bakogi. Like what they do is for sure. But then when you look at the Celtics, like you know, I, I, Pritchard maybe. I mean, he has the option to be the third guard now, um, and he's wanted more time. I, I actually I, looking past that, I, I really do like Delano Bain. I, I like I like him a lot, it, especially when you have the wings that you ha- the all star, all NBA wings that you have. You can you can have Jalen Brown, you know, have the ball in his hands. You can you can have Jason Tatum have the ball in his hands. You can you can um, you just have a lot of playmakers on this team, and you don't necessarily need your point guard to be a playmaker all the time. Banton's a guy that is a beast defensively. He's 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 big. He's basically a wing who can handle the ball. Um, We'll see what else you can get out of him, but I, they, they have options there. I mean, when you when you and Gabriel, I'm not, we're not going to go that deep there, but I, I guess it's a similar issue. Sam Hauser is one though. Since since you mentioned him, um, he just completely disappeared from the rotation at the end, and he was one of the best uh, three point shooters. I mean, if I'm going to give a guy like Yuta Watanabe a, a shout out, even though I, I think he got more run, albeit it's the Nets, he can do whatever he wants because he earned it there, but. Mm-hmm. Sam Hauser, I mean, he he showed that he's solid defensively and is absolutely a lights out shooter. So, I mean, why why not? Lamar Stevens, I'd love that pickup too. I mean, that that's a guy who's you know he's always going to be a great rebounder, great defender. I mean, he's got. I think they filled all things considered, they they filled their teams with with guys who you know what you're going to get out of them. Mm-hmm. You you know what you're going to get out of some of these some of these players. Um, and I, I think when you look at the Bucks though, I, I think the Bucks they they don't have a lot of those kind of X. I don't know who's going to pop because Marjan Bochamp is kind of that only guy that 
you know, maybe he emerges into the rotation. He's, he's a guy that can bolster the depth. Um, and, you know, if, if Tame is saying it, maybe that that's, that's there's something. I've also heard DeMar DeRozan hyping up Pat Williams for the past two years, and that's not really worked out for me. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to go off of a star saying someone else is doing well until I see it myself. But Bochamp, you know, maybe maybe that's there. I, I like that they have they still have Jay Crowder in, in the locker room. You seem to like that they got campaign. I'm, I'm not sure. Why? I think in terms of what their the options <laughs> that they have, I think they, that's a pretty yeah. damn good pickup to 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 uh, sure sure what they could have got and what like what they've got. I think that's a pretty decent pickup. Fair. I, I was gonna say that was my when we're just talking about depth and like what what's like the biggest point of weakness. Like I think for the Bucks, I'm I'm not worried about their wing rotation really. I, I like having Malik Beasley there. You can you can bother you know having a a chucker when you have the the kind of players you have on this team. But the point guard rotation, that that's that is interesting. Campaign is your only other guy. Um he's had his moments, but it's like I don't know. They they it would be nice to have kept Javon Carter if possible. So Yeah, okay, that's fair. I think that's fair. I, I think I I think campaign can can deliver something for this team, and I just think for the the nobody or they could have put that down to a to a rookie in, in terms of the position they ended up being when they made the trade for Dame. I think to get a guy like Campaign who's been a, a solid bench scorer on playoff teams, I think that's a it's a smart pickup from Yeah. I I do I do like having a guy like I mean he he can get hot for sure. He can get hot from three and on the box you need that. So I mean you, you got a guy like Payne, you got a guy like Malik Beasley I mean, guys that can that can get hot in a minute and just start raining threes. You have a couple guys like that, and that definitely helps out. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe this is the Marjon Botham season. Yeah, you never know. He could be could be the next. Uh, be the, 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 next Chris the Middleton. Next you don't even yeah, need Chris maybe. Middleton after that if he if he shows up. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Okay, I'll put it to you this way then: which which of these three teams do you think will have the best regular season? Forgetting the playoffs, just in terms of regular season, which in terms of the depth and in terms of their their main guys staying healthy. Celtics. 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 Celt- Celtics gonna be the one seed. Celtics yeah. gonna be a one seed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Jason I Tatum is gonna have another MVP season. Um, I think I think they'll I think I have a feeling the Bucks will be a little bit more cautious with their players and rest a little bit more as much as they can. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I think the Celtics. I think I, I I'd be with you there as well. I'm thinking. I think Tatum maybe it won't come this year, but I I I believe that Jason Tatum is is going to be a future MVP of this league, and I think he's going to take another step this year in terms of his two way play and overall overall performance. And I think he'll they'll be they'll be able to cover up a little bit as well with uh, some of the rest. Maybe some of the guys like Horford and Porzingis have to have to take as well. But we go off. We finish off with a top with a top five list. Top five teams to break the playoff hoodoo. I only did teams that have been gone for at least three seasons. So seven teams qualify here. Okay. At number five, got the Detroit Pistons. They've been out of the playoffs for four years. They've got a pretty decent lineup. Obviously, still a very raw group. But I think if K comes back healthy now when he's leading that group from the point position, I think there is a chance that they get into the into the plan in the Eastern Conference because it's it's you can make the argument that it's kind of it's kind of open a bit more in the Eastern Conference than it is out west. At four, I've got the Orlando Magic. I know a team that you uh, that you really like. They've been out of the playoffs for three years. Franz Wagner had a great year. Haleman Carroll going into a sophomore year. They've got a couple of young guys that are that should really be looking to make a splash this year. And I think that it, all things coming together, they could definitely be a team that that surprise in the Eastern Conference. Number three, the Houston Rockets. Obviously, they really went in this offseason, got in a lot of vets. They're still hoping for growth from guys like Jalen Green. They've got a, a a couple of rookies coming in as well. How can Sangoon do? How do the how does Brooks and and Van Vliet impact here? If all things come together, at number two, I've got the Oklahoma City. Thunder. How many? Hold on, before you go, number two. What, what what? How many years has it been for for Houston? I'm I'm trying to remember. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty was their last year. Twenty twenty. Yeah, man, it feels like a lot longer than that. But it does, it does. At uh, at number two, the Oklahoma City Thunder, a team that have also been out for three years. I I wanted to have these at number one, but just the fact that that Chet Holmgren is coming in as a rookie, and 
And I think there's still a bit of rawness to that team. And just in terms of the Western Conference improving once again, it's gonna it's still going to be tough for them to really to definitely say they're going to get back to the playoffs this year. Although I, I still expect great things from, from Shea. And I think Chet will really challenge Webanyama for uh, for Rookie of the Year. Yeah. And then at number one, my boys, the Indiana Pacers. They've oh, been out, okay. They've been out for three years. They made some really nice additions across this offseason. I'm hearing good things like that. I really want to hear about Matherin. Obviously, have to wait and see how it works out. But the additions of Obi Toppin, the addition of Bruce Brown, Heald is probably still going to be there. He still seems to be happy to play in Indiana if no trade comes from that. I think they've got that bit more depth, and I think they're ready to really even challenge for a top six seed in the Eastern Conference this year. That okay. That I was I was really racking my brain. I'm like, who is ahead of the okay the Thunder? Yeah, Thunder and Pacers. I, I love. I love both those teams getting back in it because I, I think there'll be teams that are like competitive if they make it out of the plan. Absolutely, it could be competitive. Um, and I had the Pacers above the Thunder because I just think the East is a little bit easier to break into than uh, than the West. Yeah, I, I, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, the the Pistons, they're a tough one. I, I think we we gotta we we gotta see what we get out of Cade this year in terms of his shooting, in terms of scoring, because he he is he's the tide that raises all boats, right? Like he in terms of play, we know what we're gonna get for the playmaking. Uh, we've seen the flashes of you know his defensive versatility. But I I, I am really curious to to see how he does because I don't think I think people are forgetting about Cade because you know Wemby, huge, huge phenomenon, right? Like Cade in his own right, I think he was rightfully so really touted, like massive massive expectations for him and then gets injured and all it takes is a year of being injured yeah. and women Yama getting drafted and like nobody cares about you like Cade Cunningham is going to be a household name and he's going to have his moment and if we all talk about Bancaro how great he is and the cool things he did in team USA like Cade Cunningham is is going to be a big player and we'll see it this year playoffs that'll be tough that that's that's a most improved type of season if Cade Cunningham is, is leading in the playoffs. But yeah, I like that. That's a good list. Yeah. I'm happy. Team, with that the teams that missed out were the Spurs and the and the Hornets, which I think is a, uh, which I, I think is fair. It's re- realistic. definitely realistic. Yeah, I think realistic. for sure. Obviously, even, I'd say even if I included the teams that have only been out for two years, I think that only brings in the Trailblazers and the Jazz. So even at that, I don't I don't even know if I would have included those those two on the list anyway. So to think like the to narrow, even to even to broaden the horizons a little bit, I think that I think that's a pretty pretty accurate list. You you'd agree with that? You think that's fair? We, we don't agree on much, running, but I'll agree with that. That's fine. That's good to hear. Hopefully, hopefully the Pacers show show up and uh, maybe, maybe maybe the OKC Thunder too. But I think I, I was happy with that one. N- n- nice little way to finish off. But as always, great great to talk some ball. Really excited to talk about the Spurs. It's actually got me kind of pumped to watch them this year. I would even be looking out for them. Uh, in the in the preseason, obviously that's coming up now. We had the first preseason game today out in Abu Dhabi. The uh, the Timberwolves took down the Mavericks. Got a couple more games I think coming Saturday, and then to be a nice flow leading up to the the start of the NBA season. But we're finally getting out of the doldrums. We're actually getting in towards preseason and really getting back into NBA basketball. There's going to be so much more to talk about it. Myself and Chris will be here to cover it all. You just make sure to follow, subscribe, comment. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.